Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my colleague and friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a broadcast that we do every Thursday at 6 o'clock Eastern time. And we do the broadcast because we want to bring the knowledge and experience and wisdom that we gained through many years of leading support groups for people who had just lost a pet or maybe sometimes were having an anniversary or for some reason would like to benefit from the support of a group. We learned so much about the experience of loss and we brought that experience into a book called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And we started this broadcast to bring some of that information to a larger audience. So we're happy to be here to share with you and we welcome your questions and comments during the broadcast afterwards. And we would like very much for this to be an open conversation. So Nancy, you want to get us started today? Yeah. Um, you know, Ken, you and I talked about, uh, we had some comments and questions that came up over the last week. Um, and one was very interesting that, um, will be a little provocative maybe for some people, but the question was, are pets reincarnated? Um, I hope they are. That would be the best for me. Do they have souls? Um, some people say they don't. I don't understand. They are such beautiful souls. No, this is, you know, some people believe that animals have souls and some people may not believe that. And some people, believe in reincarnation and as there and some and some do not now i think you had someone that you had spoken to about this well we had a, we had a comment on the on the last session that we did somebody was saying that they were very concerned about this and they were also concerned that animal communicators had or an animal communicator had told them that animals don't reincarnate and I think it's a, it's a really interesting topic. Well, first of all, I feel like these are questions that we can't know with any certainty. We can't know the answers with any certainty. We can know through personal experience. We can have deep beliefs because of what we've experienced and what we believe. But I feel like this is this is terrain that's very uncertain in many ways. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, and, and we were talking about this just a few minutes ago, that when I had an editor look at the final draft of our book, one of the things he said was, you mention on a number of, mention a number of places in the book, you call animal souls. You mention they have souls. And there are lots of people who don't believe that animals have souls. <laughs> I remember saying to him, of course they have souls. <laughs> I mean, it's very clear to me when I look into the eyes of my cat or dog or, or any animal friend that they are alive in very much the same way that I am alive and that you are alive. And, and there's somebody looking out from behind those eyes. And so that to me is a soul. And so, but this person was very distressed because an animal communicator who they had been in touch with had said they don't reincarnate. And I, I just, I, I believe that there's evidence that human beings reincarnate 
And there's evidence that animals reincarnate. People can tell stories that are pretty clear for them that demonstrate reincarnation. And who's to argue with another person's experience? Well, also, wasn't there a movie? that There was a movie out a few years ago about the dog's life. I'm not sure yeah, that. The dog, the dog and didn't that dog reincarnate a few times? Yeah, many, yeah. many times. And that may be the way it is. I mean, certainly there are, there are religions that believe very strongly in reincarnation. There, there are Eastern religions, there are indigenous religions across the globe where that's considered to be the way it is. Like that's just the way it is. So I always feel like, I, I, I don't know when, and if you believe that, then that's really, that's valid. And of course, there's nothing. There's nothing that I'm going to do to try to dispel that. I am. I am a little concerned that anybody would tell somebody no. Animals do not reincarnate. <laughs> Where yeah, are they getting I that mean, information? Because would they really know exactly? Like we're saying, there's. Mm -hmm. It's a different terrain. You know, we're not 100% sure. Would uh, people do believe in reincarnation and feel they are. Some people don't. Again, it's, I think it's more of a, like a, a belief system. However, we looked up, I was looking at this up uh, prior to going on air, um, and there is a communicator that I found, an animal communicator, and this was one of the paragraphs. Um, Over the years and many hundreds of consultations, I've learned that there are many possibilities and, and variations on the answers to reincarnation. Um, I've witnessed many full reincarnations of clients' animals, as well as partial reincarnations, soul blending, I'm not sure what that is, visits, walk-ins. The variations are endless. Um, it's not a one-size-fit-all answer. However, she also did say that she had not experienced that with her own animals. Yeah, and there's terms there that I don't understand. Don't know. Right. However, I feel like the complexity of it speaks for itself. Exactly. This is very complex and there are many viewpoints on it and there are many experiences in this area. And there are also, what we're also approaching are these questions that because they are, they are fraught with uncertainty, we, we can't really resolve them. And so they tend to be with us for the duration. Like I can wonder where is my beloved little Jack now? Jack died right. several years ago. Where is he? He's in my heart. I know that, yeah, but is he somewhere else? Does he have a new, I remember when I had a cat who was very dear to me and she died. And I remember burying her and writing her a card in which I wrote, I, I hope you awaken into a brilliant new life. That was that was soothing for me. That was, and I be, I believe that that may be what happens. That we go from one existence into another, and but I can hope for that, but I I, I can't know. We can't for verify certain. it. Right. I can't know for certain. And it, and it goes to souls too. I think we talked about this in another episode that for Catholicism for a long time had said something about animals not having souls and people were very upset with that in the group, right? They came in and they said, I, I don't know, I can't believe that. But Pope Francis really kind of squashed that and said, of course, you know, they do have souls. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that that's helpful for those people who were very upset, not thinking that their animals had an afterlife of sorts. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's whatever it is, and, and obviously anybody can look up about animal communicators in their areas or what they, what they believe or what they, they've seen or found out about reincarnation. And it's something that if it's helpful for someone they to, to do it, to see, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to know that maybe they live on or they come back. Yeah, but, I mean, it, to me, if we have souls, then animals have souls. Right. That's, that's, to me, it's, that's sort of self-evident. It's like, because I do believe that my experience with many, many different kinds of animals tells me that they feel emotions this pretty similarly to the way we do, that, that they are worried for their physical safety the way that we are, that they have the same sorts of needs for food and shelter and, and affiliation with others uh, that, or not, some animals don't, some animals are more, in, uh, they're more comfortable alone, but they, they have the same sort of interior existence that I see in other human beings. And to me, that's, to say an animal doesn't have a soul would be very similar to saying another human being doesn't have a soul. You know, if I do, they do. That's kind of the way I see it. And I and I would I do believe that also can. And just another note before we move on, I I know after one of my first dogs died, my husband and I saw a little bunny outside, and our our first thing was maybe that's Toddy coming back, you mm -hmm. know. So I mean, it's a wish I think also that you want to see them come back. And so yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. We always long for, we long for who we've lost, right? We it's yeah. it's a very very hard thing and 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 we we have these questions over and over and over again over again so another another question that that a person commented who commented on one of the videos raised was i can feel i can feel like i don't want to be here because they're not here mm -hmm. and at the same time not feel like i want to hurt myself like i'm suicidal and and that I think is a really valid distinction to make that you can feel so pained that you don't want to be, you don't want to, you don't want to feel anything right now. You don't want to be present. You don't want to be here, but not necessarily meaning that you are inclined in any way to hurt yourself. Right. And that's, not a, that's a pretty typical feeling for a lot of, a lot of folks who mm -hmm. um, are very, very attached to their animals. I'm and, sorry about that. That's okay. It's Esme. Um, it's Esme. They're, they're very connected to them. And when they die, they just don't, they're so distraught that they want to be with them. I mean, they would mm -hmm. come in, right, and say, I want to be with my animal. I want to be with wherever they are. Um, and again, you know, that doesn't mean that a person is suicidal, although it could, you know, we'd have to be careful with that. But it's not, it's a very typical response because the relationship was so incredibly important to them that they they felt that they they could not move on without mm -hmm. still being with them. Mm -hmm. So um, I like the tale. <laughs> um, but that's, 
it's it's a hard thing for people. I mean, eventually through the grieving process, um, you know, they do start to integrate the loss and, and you know, um, they don't necessarily feel like that anymore, but it's, it's a pretty common uh, initial reaction. Yeah, I don't want to be here if they're not here right. as well. Yeah. yeah. So there, and this is another one similar to that. I think another question came up. My life has changed. How can I work with that? I miss Henry so much. He was my soulmate. So again, you know, here's a person who um, so attached to their 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 beloved animal, and it when they die, it it creates someone to feel like they they can't go on. They have a hole in them that can't be filled, they maybe feel like they've lost an appendage. You know, yeah. they they get immobilized with first denial and then maybe shock depending on the death. And then just not being able to function, to be able to experience any kind of other feeling but emptiness and sadness, you know, which is also, you know, we heard from that. Yeah, I, I, I think that so much of this comes down to acknowledging and validating that kind of void, that kind of pain, and just going through the motions of life. Mm -hmm. Regardless, you just keep going through the motions of life and at the same time acknowledging the loss and allowing time to help you to become more accustomed to the reality that Henry, in this case, is not here anymore. And, and realizing that the way you feel right now is not necessarily the way you will feel for all the time that follows. And to, to trust in that, if, if it's hard to trust in, in much else, to trust that, that time does play a role in helping us begin to take the the reality in in a way that is not so brutal. Well, it's interesting because people, you know, a lot of people can't tolerate the pain, so they it's hard for them to go through the process because it comes and goes, ebbs yeah. and flows, and they said, "But I don't want to feel like this anymore. I can't tolerate. It. I don't want it." and but that's kind of the, the, the journey. And so it does take a period of time and people get so upset that they, they say, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I can't feel like this anymore. Um, but again, time does, does move them along um, to a place that they can integrate the loss a little better. And there is, you know, there is something to be said for constructive distractions too. Yes. So if you cannot, if you do not have any time where this is not like just like weighing you like in the pit of your stomach and you just feel horrible, then try different things. Try different things. Try listening to music or doing some things that feel creative for you or doing exercise or all just try other things that are constructive distractions and you know much of this has to do with filling the time in a way that is at least not in any way destructive or or harmful 
and and just moving forward in 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 the in the process of life really mm-hmm. it's it's hard because people you know when you're grieving and you're so sad and you're become depressed in a lot of cases it's hard to be active the problem is yeah. that inactivity or passivity creates more depression and so you know it's helpful too if to try to you know exercise to try to maybe change your routine a little bit to try to do something a little bit different maybe maybe you take walks to the place that you walked your dog or sat in in the space with with where your cat was but then get up and do something a lot of times though people can do something in their memory which i think is kind of interesting it, it motivates people i think death is sometimes motivates people to do something different and they get preoccupied in that you see that with humans all the time you know somebody a, a young one is is killed or, or dies and the, 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 they mobilize themselves to to be more verbal or to you know talk about the, the, um, what happened and that there needs to be changes and sometimes that really helps too yeah and, and the, the, any way that you can get support from others any way that you can connect with others who will be respectful of how you're feeling. So if you can do that online now, because it may not yet be safe where you are to go and, and meet in a in any sort of face-to-face capacity, if you can you know, get uh, online and maybe write a remembrance or communicate mm-hmm. with others about your loss, or, or you can talk to people over the phone or maybe even connect with a therapist. There's something about being able to have some degree of social support that is a fundamental healing value for many, many people. It's it's interesting because there was one uh, client that I was working with who um, was upset with his dog's death and he believed that part of the problem was some of the procedures or a procedure at the desk of the hospital where um, his dog was treated. And this is, believe me, this is not anything to do with all vets. This just happened to be him, his mm-hmm. experience. So he, he went home and he wrote, he did research and he wrote a five page letter, you know, to the hospital um and the hospital actually acknowledged him and found out that maybe they needed to change their procedures a little bit and did so mm-hmm. which is quite i mean i'd never heard and they also re- reimburses the money he spent which i thought was wow i mean that's very different than i'd had ever you know, thought that could happen, I guess it has, but, you know, I never heard that, but it really, it's hard, started to heal him, you know, that he could do something for others and go into this particular hospital. Yeah. And, and the fact that they were respectful is so valuable that they weren't defensive, that they, that they validated what he said. And it probably has a lot to do also with with the way in which he communicated what he had to communicate. And so that sort of that sort of advocacy certainly can be yeah. important too. It's and and it, and it also 
one of the things that that strikes me in that account is that there must have been a tone that was constructive. There must have been a tone that was that was coming at this from a place of I want to be helpful to others. I want to be helpful to your practice, not attacking. Oh no, not, he, he, not furious. He's a real research guy, and I think he used facts. I mean, he really went yeah. from that to say, "Listen, I, this is what happened. This is how it worked," and they could recognize that maybe they needed to do something different, which I think yeah, is great. It it really it really is, and it and it it highlights the fact that errors are made. Yeah. People are fallible. Even healing professionals will sometimes do things that were not the best, that were not as, as thoughtful or they weren't the right thing to do. And there's a lot that, that we just cannot control right. and that sometimes is, is really a mistake on our part. And, and that's another thing that we talk with people about with regularity is we're not perfect. Nobody's yeah, perfect. Nobody You're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And we, we once, we once had, when we, we've had our dogs in recent years have been elderly because we got them around the same time. And we, we had two dogs who, who died in the last several years. And now our two dogs who we have now are going to be 16 next month. And or actually, they're going to be 16 in June. And we were on vacation. We were on vacation once a few years ago, and we had a dog who had a number of health problems. But we had been to the vet. And we were reassured that he was very stable. We had a, a pet caregiver who we had faith in, and he he needed a, a number of medications. And he died while we were away. Ugh. He died while we were away. And we had given instruction because it was possible. We knew it was possible. And we came back and it was, and we do believe that the pet caregiver did something that contributed to his death and that he needed to have, he needed to have water available all the time because he was in congestive, he had a congestive heart, prop, uh, congestive heart failure. And his medications were always diuretic. They were always letting, making him lose water, making him pee a lot. And we came back, and and the water bowl for the dog who was remaining was empty. And so we immediately thought the pet sitter wasn't checking the water enough. And we went through a lot of anguish about that. I'm sure you would. But, but what we came up to eventually is like, what can you do? Yeah. What can you do about that? There's nothing. We, we thought it was all, it was all in place. We had faith in this person. They'd taken care of our animals before and we didn't employ them again. And we told them about what we found because we hoped that that would make it better, that they would use better judgment. And who knows? Maybe that was the one time that this happened. Yeah, just the one. But immediately, but immediately, we thought: Did he dehydrate, and did that cause his death, given his condition? It was quite a thing to work through. But and of course, we were racked with guilt about 
leaving. We have left him, and you know, but we we do this thing with when we go on a vacation, we go away for a few days. We'll act, if we're not bringing the dogs with us. We'll have them seen by the vet if they've got any sort of condition that we've got concerned. And we'll say, here, we're, we're going to be going for three or four days or whatever, and we're leaving with them with someone who we have faith in. Do you think it's okay? And we've always been told, yeah, they're stable yes. as far as we can tell. You know, they might do some sort of evaluation. In this case, it might have been an ultrasound or something like that to see whether, whether they were, in fact, having any fluid in their, in their lungs. And, but the way that I, I've come to understand this is you, you can only do so much. Yeah. And, and accidents happen. I mean, and yeah, mistakes you know? happen, accidents happen. <laughs> and, and we have to, there is no other path forward but the path forward. <laughs> like, there's nothing, you can't, if you hold on to this, well, whether no, it's it would you know, eat an anger towards and someone else or toward yourself, it will yeah. eat at you endlessly. And so, we have to find ways to let go of the guilt, to let go of the anger. And so this, this person wrote that letter and great that there was a very positive yeah. response. It may not, it may not have happened that way, obviously, but it happened for him. And I do think that that was really helpful for him. But even in, if nothing had happened, it was helpful for him, you yeah. know, to let out in all of that, that he was, he was struggling with. <clears throat> so, um, but I mean, that's, other things that you can do, you know, because we don't have the answers to everything. I mean, look, at human medicine isn't exact, neither is veterinary medicine. Yeah. You know, there are things that could happen that are way out of our control with our animals as as our human, you know, families or friends. You know, so it's it's being again, we come back to it a lot, being gentle with ourselves and taking yeah. care of ourselves and yeah support from others that really know and understand what you're going through you know? yeah, and, and, and asking the questions that you need to ask over and over and over again until you don't feel the need to ask them so much that's the, the way I think about this is you you got to do what you got to do to to get the pain out of yourself to get the uncertainty out of yourself at least at a little bit of a distance. And, and sometimes that can feel very repetitive to both you and the people around you. But that is a big part of grief. That's it's a big part of grief. Talk about it over and over again. Well, you know, you and I have sat with people over, over periods of time, individually in the group, and they ask the same question all the time because yeah. they, they need to work through it, you know, and so you sit with them, you support them, you talk about this is, you know, a very difficult time. It's, of course, you love them, you know, and, the, you know, going through what, what they feel guilty about, you know, the, and we say we can't take away your guilt. And sometime at some point, maybe you can forgive yourself because well, things can happen and it's not anyone's fault. Yeah, and 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 you know, with with this case with our dog, his name was Jack, and I, I mentioned him, I think, earlier. What we kept saying is, there's, we can't bring him back. We can't fix this. Mm -hmm. We can't fix it. And we might have had to say that over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Say it to him. Say it to his ashes. 
the, we had we actually had asked the pet sitter to put him in a we had a, a free an auxiliary freezer where we kept things that we weren't going to use for a while or if we bought in bulk we asked her to put him in the freezer um, so that we could dispose of his body when we came home and so you know we had some conversations with Jack's body of course and, and with his ashes and 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 but what that what it all boiled down to is this is this is there is nothing that can be done but you may need to say that it's kind of like you may need to exhaust yeah that question over and over again will i see them again i don't know i hope so maybe in my dreams and maybe you will in your dreams but the it's the asking of the question that gives relief over time over you know over many many repetitions and that's okay yeah it's all just part of it it's all just part of it and and you're not losing your mind you're not you know you're not being dr overly dramatic you're doing what you need to do you're doing what you need to do and part of life it's just part of life so we only have a minute should we do one more question or do we have another question? We have a bunch of them. Okay. Um, all right. This could be pretty, well, this could be on the same page as what we were talking about. Is Sadie with me? I think I hear her at times, maybe see her. I want to know that she's okay. Do you think I can dream of her? I miss her so much. Yes. Sometimes you may dream of them. Yes. Sometimes yeah. you hear them. Yes. Sometimes you may feel them. Yes. Sometimes you may feel their presence in some ways and you may see some signs. I, I think that all, I think all of that is, is right on target. I think that, you know, I, I once went to see a, a spiritualist uh, to, to learn about uh, loved ones, human loved ones who are no longer with us. One of the things that she said will always remain with me. She said, look, if you quiet yourself, if you calm yourself, if you maybe sit down and have a cup of tea and, in, and you invite them close, they'll be with you. Ah, very nice. They'll be with you. And you may feel them. You may, as you just, and, and as this person wrote, you may see them, but they'll be with you. And the more quiet you are, and the more open you are to them being with you, the more likely you'll feel them in a, in a deeper way. Ah. And I think that's really powerful. That's beautiful. Really powerful. You invite them close and there they are. Mm -hmm. And so I, I believe that, I practice that, mm -hmm. and that's part of my spirituality. And even if they don't come or they, you don't hear them, or you don't uh, think you see them, or you don't dream of them. They're still in your heart. They're still they're still right here. Yeah. Every everyone we've lost, we carry in our yep, hearts. Yep, with us, all the time. Yep. So great talking with you as always, Nancy, and I look forward to to our next conversation. Take care.